This morning's scripture is taken from the book of uh, John, chapter 14, verse 8 to 14. I'm reading from um, Life Application Bible, and that can be found uh, in page 1911. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that, we, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father? And the Father is in me. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me. Who is doing his work? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than this, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If it was pouring down rain, you would find that we don't have any leaks coming in. That's because we have a new roof, which is wonderful. But when you try and get up on the new roof in order to close those windows off with black plastic so that it isn't as bright in here, so that people can see the screen on a Sunday morning, you slip and slide everywhere and you take your life into your own hands. So, I chose not to risk my life, and I didn't get the windows covered this morning, although I will tell you that I tried, okay? So they're not covered. I'm thinking in the next week or so that's going to happen, but bear with us as we uh, continue to try and work on things like that. Uh, it, it will happen very quickly, but it wasn't going to happen <laughs> at the risk of my life, so I chose not to. So we will uh, we'll get that done, though. There are some people uh, in our world today who are panicking. There are lots of them, actually. Many of them live in the country of Japan. And there are good reasons for them to be ill at ease. These are people who have experienced not just one large earthquake, but hundreds and hundreds of aftershocks, some of which have been huge. They could have stood on them them on their own as huge earthquakes. There have been people who have been killed, many people, thousands of people who were killed with a tsunami, as we all know. There have now been threats of radiation that have come their way to the point where the airports have been packed, the boats have been packed, people have been trying to get off 
from Japan to try and get away from the radiation. And you can imagine what it would be like if you were there and you had to experience what they experienced. It would be difficult. One victim from the northeast of Japan said, My whole world has come crashing down. A few days ago, I had everything. Now I have nothing. I don't know what is happening. My family and I may be killed by a murderer. I can do nothing to stop. And if you think about it, there could be several different kinds of murderers that could come his way in order to take his life, about which he could do very little. And what happens, I think, and what's happened in this case, is that with these people, there has been, on the one hand, fear, intense fear, of what might happen to them again. But then on top of that, a total lack of knowledge about both what's happening and what could happen. And you probably heard about the disgruntlement with the Japanese government who are trying to keep the citizens informed at some level, but are they telling the whole truth about everything, especially regarding the nuclear stuff, and it's difficult to know, and so the people have been upset with their government because they haven't had all the information given to them. And that's what happens. When people are put into a fearful situation and they don't know what's happening and they don't know what's going to happen with the future, it is difficult. And that is exactly what we have in John chapter 14. I want you to look at a couple of verses with me here. I'm going to go back and look at John chapter 13 for a second. So flip maybe a, a back a page in your Bible or something. And here's the question. I'm going to read a verse, and I want you to, th to read ahead and think about this with me, and maybe even answer the question. So can you figure out the answer before I tell you? The question is, what's the state of the disciple's mind? What is the state of the disciples' mind in response to what Jesus says? And look at verse 21, first of all, in chapter 13. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. It says that in verse 21. I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Now you read the next verse or two and tell me what's on their mind. Somebody tell me. What's that? Yeah, who's, who's going to do it? Okay, who's going to betray me? And it's not just who is it going to be, but what question, like there's at least one question that the disciple of, that Jesus loves, what does he specifically ask? What does he say? Yeah, who is it? But he also says, is it me? Is that I? Am I the one? Is there some possibility, Lord, that I might be the one who's going to betray you? They ask that kind of question. And obviously, with the disciples at this point, there is some kind of fear. There is trouble. They don't know what's going on. Now look at verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. They don't want you to look at the verses immediately after that and register their attitude. What is their response to what Jesus says there? Somebody tell me. 
What's that? Where are you going? Why do they ask the question? Is that just a casual question? Is that like if John got his coat on over here and he started walking out and I said, John, where are you going? In some sense, but I think they maybe have a little bit more of a concern than just that. It's not just that I'm concerned about John might miss the rest of my sermon. But if Jesus is going to leave them, that means for them the possibility of danger. Lives have been threatened. Their lives have been put in the balance, perhaps. And they worry about where Jesus is going. Where are you going, Lord? You're not going to leave us here by ourselves, are you? And then look at verse 36. Where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. How do we know that that troubled them? Even though he says, you're going to follow later, how do we know that they're still troubled? What is said to indicate that? Yeah. Lord, why can't I follow you right now? How come I can't go with you? And then he says, I will lay down my life for you. What is it that Peter's expecting at that point to happen in the ministry of Jesus? There's at least the risk, I think, to Peter's life, and Peter's concerned. It's a possibility that Peter himself may have to be killed. He says he's quite ready to do so, but you can imagine that that's going to cause him some trouble as he has to think about that. Then look at verse 38. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And we know that this too bothered the hearts of the disciples because of what Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 1. So what we have here are some guys who are genuinely troubled. And it's not just a minor kind of troubling. We're talking about people who are extremely upset. They have put everything they have in their lives and devoted this to the Messiah. And suddenly, the one who is supposed to bring them some peace, the one who's going to triumph, the one who's going to put them in a position of authority, instead seems to be putting them into a position of vulnerability. And they wonder what in the world is going on. So look at chapter 14, verse 1 with me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Now, when I read that, clearly, Jesus is making an attempt to calm the disciples. He wants them to not be as troubled as they have been. My question is, does it work? Like, Jesus says some specific things to calm them down, and my question is, does it work? And I think, if you look at chapter 14, verse 5, that the answer is, no. No. Look at verse 5. What is said? Yeah. We don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way? Jesus, you've just told us that we know the way to the place where you're going. 
But there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of resolution in that. doesn't seem to be a whole lot of comfort in that. They instead are still, I would say, confused. In fact, definitely confused. What in the world is going on? Then look at verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So now look at verse 8. How are we doing? Is there some comfort yet? Are the disciples starting to realize exactly what's going on with Jesus? What's the response in verse 8? Show us the Father. And why does he say that? What's that? He says it'll be enough for us. But at this point, what would you say about their state? Confused, bewildered, or comforted and feeling great about their place in Jesus? I think they're still confused. Now, what's interesting is we've got this whole passage of these disciples talking to Jesus and having interaction with Jesus, and the disciples, who spent a lot of time with Christ, the apostles, still at this point in the life of Jesus, are confused. There is a lot of dismay. They clearly don't understand exactly what Jesus is doing. They don't know exactly where Jesus is going. There's an awful lot that they just don't understand. They're fearful. Peter's already said that it may cause them to have their lives taken from them. And I think that we have some pretty scared guys. Even as Jesus is attempting to calm them down and give them answers. And I want to know what the problem is. I want to know how it is that these guys can spend so much time with Jesus and have so royally missed it. I want to know how they can spend so much time with Jesus with him specifically attempting to calm them down, to get them to relax, to, for them to realize that things aren't quite as bad as they think it are, that it is, and they still don't get it and are still fearful. What's going on? And here, I think, is the answer. Even though they've spent a lot of time with Jesus, even though they want badly to do what Jesus wants them to do, even though they are willing to risk their lives, as Peter says, on behalf of Jesus, it is very clear to me that ultimately, even at this point, they don't know him. They don't know him. Because if they truly understood who Jesus was, I think the comfort that they long for would be there. Now, the fact is that this morning, we live in a time in a world when there isn't a great deal of comfort. If I talk about Tunisia and what's gone on there, you'd have to say that there is some consternation about that, some upset about that. If I mention what's happening in Egypt, we'd have to realize that things aren't perfect there yet. I could talk about Yemen, or I could talk about Bahrain, and I certainly could talk about Libya. 
And I haven't even heard this morning about what's going on in Libya. I know yesterday that Gaddafi was saying that he wouldn't listen and that they declared a no-fly zone. I know that there were some of his troops that were attacking even despite the fact that there was a no-fly zone declared. I know that if I was in Japan this morning that I would be agonizing over the situation. But I also know that as I sit in my nice, comfortable, warm house in Calgary, Alberta, that when I look at our world today and I think about the things that are going on, the fact is it causes me some anxiety. And I know that that's true for some of you as well because the questions come. I've had people in the last week call me and say, Kelly, do you think this is the end times? Like all the earthquakes, the tsunamis, the wars, the direction that our own society is going. There is just so much anxiety about the future of the world. And it's not just that we look and see what's going on. It's that we don't know what's going to unfold. We find ourselves in a position not unlike the apostles. There are some things that we know. There are some things that we don't understand, but we really can't understand all of it. There's a great deal there that I can't yet see. And so when I look at what I, or try to see what I can't see, it does make me nervous, honestly. I do wonder and I'm guessing you do too, about where all of this is going, where it's all going to unfold. I have a grandson on the way. I want him to have a happy life. I want things to go really well for him. But when I look at the world and the direction it's headed, I wonder, what is he going to have that is going to be of blessing to him? What kind of world is it in which he will be raised? Am I the only one? who wonders those kinds of questions? I'm guessing you do too. Now what I think is wonderful and what is a blessing is the answer that Jesus gives to his disciples. And the answer comes, first of all, in verse 7. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip may not get it at that point, but Jesus has given the answer. Jesus has said to him, Philip, you and Peter and the others, I know you're worried and you've got good reason to be worried. But if you know me, Philip, if you get me, if you understand who I am, if you understand what it is that I want to bring into your life, then there is good reason for you, even in the midst of all the things going on, to have some confidence, Philip. Indeed, I am with you, but you need to know me. And then he finishes up and says these kinds of things in verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And in that promise that the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father and that the two of them are doing something with humankind that has never been done before, in that promise, the assurance comes for us today. So when you look at a world and you wonder what in the world is going on, and sometimes it gets so personal. It's not just what happens in Japan. It's not just what happens in Egypt or Tunisia. Sometimes it comes right into your lives, right into your living room, and you wonder, God, what are you doing? What is happening here? Why is my life like this? I can't guarantee you he's going to take it away. I can't guarantee you that when you wake up tomorrow morning, there won't be a tsunami. But I promise you that the one who says, come to know me, provides to his people a peace that passes all understanding because they do know him. And for those of you who today don't have a solid relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you're a person who knows there's a God, but even right now you don't rest completely in Jesus, I need to tell you that Jesus, in in saying to, to us, know me, that he's the one who right there in that statement provides for us the only avenue of peace of which I'm aware. Last week we had three people up here. We talked about happiness. And I said there's only one way to ever be happy and that is to serve. I believe it. This week the question is not so much how do I be happy. The question is what do I do with all the things going on around me that I can't deal with? And Jesus says, I am the answer to that. Put yourself in my hands. Know me. This week I went to see Margaret Tidland in the hospital. We've mentioned already Margaret's had deterioration of some vertebrae in her back. She's been in a lot of pain. Uh, If you know her at all, she's here every Sunday. But recently, in the last six, seven weeks, weeks, eight weeks or so, she hasn't been able to be here because her discs and vertebrae are deteriorating in her back. She's just had so much pain, hasn't been able to make it. And finally, Michelle, God bless you, Michelle, took Margaret to the hospital this week and she was able to get some painkillers and they're hoping they can at least make her comfortable and that she won't have the same kind of pain that she's been having. Well, when I went into the hospital room the other day to see Margaret, I got there expecting... Well, no, I didn't expect to find a woman who would be racked with pain and agony and weary and maybe angry and upset. I didn't expect that. And the reason I didn't is because for 92 years, Margaret Tidland has been living her life in the light of Jesus Christ. And so when I went into her room, I found a lady who's in bed smiling. And if you've ever heard her chuckle, she chuckles. And so when I went in, Margaret was chuckling. And any of the rest of you who have gone to see her, you would have found a chuckler there too. Because your back can be deteriorating. 
or you can experience a tsunami and you may not know what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it changes everything. Margaret still has pain in her back. But she faces that because of who Jesus is. And if for something to happen and Margaret was to find out that after 92 years the Lord was going to take her soon, not a worry in the world. Because Jesus is Lord of that too. The disciples had the chance here to listen and to know Christ. We have the exact same chance. And so I pray that if you don't know Christ this morning, that you're willing to think seriously about who he is and what he means in your life. He is the answer to take away, not your back pain necessarily, could do that if he wants, but he is the one who can give you the peace that passes all understanding despite what you might experience and despite what you may not know about the future. And if you ever want to talk to anybody about those things and you think, I'd like to know more about Christ and the impact he can have in my life, I would love to have you call me. My number's in the bulletin. My email address is there too. I'd love to have you email me or call me and say, tell me more about Jesus and the comfort that he can bring into my life because that's what he does. Let's pray. Lord God, we do live in a troubled world. And I don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes after we're done here. I don't know what will happen, uh, what we might find when we get home and turn on our televisions and listen to the news. But of that, God, you are Lord. Of our future, you are Lord. Of what it is that you're doing in our lives, you are Lord. And Father, we want to know you and understand better who you are. That the peace and comfort that only you can supply will come to us as your knowing children. We thank you, God, for saints like Margaret and others who know you well. Help us to trust entirely in you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.